The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, Malden. Welcome to 02148 Live. My name is Mike Sharon. I am your host for the night. I come in here every third Wednesday of the month, and that brings us to today, February 21st, 2018. I, I am an alternate host along with former Mayor Ed Lucy and Joe Piantadosi Jr., so check them out in the coming weeks as well. But I'm here every third Wednesday, and I'm delighted to be with you here tonight. And I'm delighted to introduce my first guest, who you may know. He was uh, formerly the editor at the Malden Observer. He has moved on to become the communications director at Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. Please welcome, without further ado, my guest tonight and friend, Mr. Nathan Lamb. Nathan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to see you. So, uh, how's things? Wow. Well, um, I've got a son who's almost two and a half years old, so uh, very busy. But uh, overall, life is pretty good, definitely. And it's um, I was so glad that we were able to connect a few months back on election night. I got the invite. I've hosted a show, so I know how it is. Happy to come down and talk about Malden and all these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk a little bit about Malden and also the great work you're doing over there with Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. Mm. And uh, we're going to get into that. But I would like to touch upon your time. Uh, you did, um, uh, you were the editor of the Malden Observer. Uh, now, that's been a couple years since you've left? It's actually, I marked two years at Somerville Cambridge Elder Services in February. And I was I had another job for a year before that, so... Three years ago. Goes quickly. Oh, my goodness. And how long were you there, The Observer? Uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I am so day-to-day that I'd have to go and look at a calendar, but I think it was about three or four years. I came in right at the end of Mayor Howard's uh, tenure because Mayor Howard was still here when I started. Okay. Um, and I think I was there for about four years. Yeah. So it was a good, it was a good stretch of time. And, yeah. Um, well, I think the, the current mayor, Christensen, since, since 2012, so that makes so back. 2010, 2011? Yeah. You so were there? Definitely a few years. And was that your uh, occupation of choice? Were you a journalist? Were you a writer? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, actually, it was funny. Um, I, was, uh, I was a reporter for a long time. I was a reporter for about 10 years. And I decided I wanted to try something different. So I uh, applied to become an editor. And I was the editor out in Littleton, Massachusetts. Okay. Great little town. I know that area. I actually broke into journalism in that area, like Groton, Air, Harvard. I know that whole area. Yeah, Route 2 out there, right? Well, it's uh, the junction of 2 and 495. Okay. It's right out in that area. That is in Littleton. Um, but I was the editor of Littleton for about a year, and I heard they had an opening coming up. It was actually for the Medford reporter position. I was like, oh, I need to do this because I was living in Malden. And I was just like, I need to be closer. I want to be in the city. So I went and interviewed for the uh, Medford reporter job, and they basically were like, how about you become the editor in Malden? We need an editor. I said, editor in my home city? Sure. And, <laughs> I, and you know, it was, it, was, it was really great. It was actually funny. We lived in Medford for several years, and then we went back to Vermont. Because my wife is from Vermont, I am too. We wanted to try that for a couple of years. We came back. We were going to live with the same landlord off the Fells Way over in Medford. And we come back, and the apartment is ruined. It's like completely water damaged because the person who lived there before didn't tell them. So we were like looking around for an apartment. We found one in Malden. So it's kind of funny. I had two instances in my life where I was looking for something in Medford, and I wound up in Malden, and it was great both times. Like no, no complaints. It, it, things worked out as they should have. So. Now, did, so did you grow up in Vermont? 
I did. I lived in Vermont from about uh, five years old all the way through college, um, north central Vermont. Uh, you know, it's a great place to live in terms of breaking into the media business. Sure. It's, um, it's tough. But um, there's a lot of nice quality of life aspects of living out there. Um, you know, I go visit friends a few times a year still. Um, I love taking my son out there because you can just get him out of the car and you can just run. And there's like wide open fields and he can run. And that's that's a beautiful thing. But, uh, yeah, it's very it's very different. Um, but I like Massachusetts, too. The weather down here, you guys have a nice thing going with the weather down here. <laughs> so that was We definitely... certainly did today. <laughs> yes, indeed. That yes, was a indeed. gem. It and really was. We might get some snow and rain tomorrow, but that's that's New England. No, I like it. It's um, Yeah, it's been good. I've lived quite a while in Massachusetts, actually. Basically, we moved down here, I think, in... Oh, gosh, probably like 2003, 2004. So we've lived down here for a while. Um, and it's It's been a pretty good experience. And the journalism career was great. Yep. But if you know how the newspaper industry is going, I mean, I think even someone who doesn't read newspapers knows how that's going. Um, just in terms of where the industry is going, and uh, I wanted to start a family. We were buying a house. So sure. I had to make a decision, and I went and worked for a tech industry publication for a year. It's covering, like, Microsoft yep. and all these different companies that businesses use to do business things. Right. And it was pretty cool. Like, I was going to go to conferences, like Microsoft Big Conference. I was going to go to that, like, in New Orleans. They were going to send me to it, and I was going to cover it. I was basically interviewing the IT guys from all these different companies. That sounds pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And I liked it. I met a lot of good people. I never had any idea how much tech was in this area until I actually worked in that field covering it. There's a lot of tech in this area. I had no idea. Um, and I liked the people I met in it, but it wasn't exactly for me. Okay. So after for about a year, I was like, I kind of wanted something more involved, similar to the way I was when I was the newspaper editor. And to be a little different, one thing about Malden I really liked is there's all these great nonprofits here. Right. There was the Immigrant Learning Center, and there was Triangle, and there's all these different community groups that are really involved. And when you're thinking about it, you've been a reporter and editor for like 10 years. You start thinking sometimes about what would you want to do next. And I always thought helping do communications for a nonprofit that's doing good things in the community would be an interesting thing to try. So that was kind of something that was on my wish list, and it just happened to turn out, pardon me, and I was able to do that over in Somerville. So it's it's been a great experience, and it's, um, yeah, it's exciting. I, I definitely like what I do every day. It's, That's important. Yeah, get up, get out of bed, have that passion for what you do. It is so important. And yeah. working with good people. I've been blessed to almost always work with good people. The good people I worked with um, when I was at The Observer the interns I had were fantastic people um, and at the nonprofit I'm at now. And, and when I was in the newspaper, that newsroom, it's kind of funny because the way the newspapers are going, we had so many good people there. Yeah. A lot of them have moved on to other things. But sure. you look back at it and you're like, wow, what a lineup we had. Anyways. That's cool. Yeah. So, and, and we were talking a little bit before, before the show started about um, when you first came to the Malden Observer I got to give them. We got to give him a shout out, right? Oh. Our friend Peter Levine. Oh, of course. Was a was a uh, quite helpful to you. One of my favorite people that I met um, during my time with the Observer, and it was interesting because, um, and I pardon my voice is not always this husky. I have a little bit of a cold. It's interesting because Peter was there before me, and I'm not really telling telling tales out of school here, right? He was there before me, and I felt like the editors before me didn't really know what to do with his column. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but growing up in rural Vermont, we had a free mailer newspaper that wasn't that different than The Advocate. Right. And it would have a column, and it would cover like six towns because it's Vermont, and there's like 300 people in each. Right. And they would have a column of what's going on in town by like one person who would write it. And it would be like 600 words from someone who's written it every day or every week for, for 30 years. And basically, it was kind of this town crier sort of thing of like, what's happening with your neighbors? What's up? What's the gossip? Nothing salacious. But what's <laughs> going on around town? So when I saw Peter's column... Malden Musings, by the way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I sort of recognized it for what it was. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool because I knew that that worked there. And I'm also a person who follows traffic numbers, um, like web traffic numbers. Sure. I was one of the only editors, I guess, who did that. But his column is was always by far one of the most popular things in the paper. 
Like uh, people love that column, and so so I kind of encouraged him to 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 do more with it. Right. Um, well, yeah, it's great because it's 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 first of all he's got a, a this reservoir of history and information in the city with his family and all the different people he knows. But he's talking about neighborhood stories and, and neighborhood people and. And I've talked to him on the side. He says he gets contacted by people who no longer live here and said, oh, you know, I heard you brought up my family or or when we were doing this way back when. And, and, um, you know, which is a a wonderful thing for him to to get that kind of feedback. So, yeah, I love it. it. I love those kind of stories. And and here's a small world story for you. When I was actually having my interview at Somerville Cambridge Elder Services, the executive director, it was a Malden guy. Yes. Takes care of his mother here in Malden. Malden Musings came up during my job interview, and basically I, I sort of, you know. I, oh, that's right down the I, middle of the I, plate I, for you, I, right? said, I said my bit about Peter, and I said, yeah, no, he, he is a guy who's into people, and he loves doing it, and he is who he seems to be in the column, and uh, that was uh, really cool. But and, and, like, it's really good you brought it up because I said great people I got to be associated with. Sure. Peter was definitely one of them. He was a really great person to have as kind of a partner during my time with the paper and um and I, I i think i even encouraged him to get involved with the occasional tv appearance which he's been really good at yes well now we so. can't get him off the air really no it's awesome i think you know he's good Just at kidding, it peter uh actually we invited him on to come on tonight i knew you were old friends with him but he did have a conflict tonight um I think he's, he's actually doing something involved with um, St. Rocco's tonight. They're, they're, oh, always, wow. they're meeting all year round. He's a big fan. That big of, well, that, that's a big event that they pull off every year. So um, I brought my son the last two years. I'm going to bring him again this year. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. He, I think he's actually going to get to run around and, and Ray, really get into Ray, how old is he it. now? He's going to be two and a half in March. So, so he's, he's running wild now, isn't he? Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, like if you take him out on the sidewalk – um, he'll dart down the street. And, and fortunately, we live on a quiet side street with no traffic, but yes. we're going to have to teach him about that way. He's he's absolutely running wild, though. It's There's no doubt about that. And he keeps us busy, but it's it's fantastic. That's a fantastic age. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like we, we get to the terrible out. twos. What does that mean? Is it is it true? Well, terrible twos. Uh, you know, for the first two years, <laughs> whatever you need to do with your baby, it's like, oh, okay, let's change your diaper. All right. Okay, okay we're going to go get some food. Okay. Two is when they start to realize that they're not part of you. And it's kind of like, I don't want to change my diaper. And it's like, it's like, like he could tell us if there's something in his diaper, he won't do it. And it's, it's kind of like there's this thing where he's starting to establish his persona. His, yeah. and, and that's the terrible two part because that's when they tell you no. Mm. You're trying to get them to do something and they're like, no. And you kind of have to... Like he does it all the time. Like I'll be like, "Do you want to read this book?" He's like, "No, I don't like it. I don't like anything." <laughs> and I'll start reading it for him, and then he'll come over and sit with me. But it's that's that, cool. That's where the terrible twos yeah. comes from. Before that, yeah. they're a little they're a little easier to deal with. But it's you know, it's like having it's like being friends with somebody. It's not always you pulling in the same direction. Sometimes there's a little friction, that's, and that's kind sure. of what that is. That's. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's not boring. Um, no, never a dull moment. All right, just w- one last thing I, I want to mention. Our, uh, the first time um, I met you was you were you were obviously um, at the Malden Observer and used to cover the, the, the parades, Memorial Day parades and Veterans Day parade. And my dad, who was heavily involved in that stuff, and I remember you interviewing one. My dad, especially as he got older, he'd, he'd love to talk. He could oh, tell a good story. But I remember you... Um, Actually, being very uh, kind and 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 uh, respectful to him, it was nice to see. Not that anybody wouldn't be to the uh, men and women of the service, but I remember it caught my eye because yeah. I was with him that day. Genuinely curious. What's that? I, I was genuinely curious. I think he served. Wasn't he Vietnam, Korea, and World War Two? Well, yeah, he actually went in. He gets he gets uh, kind of administrative credit for World War Two. If it was actually. Um, he went in out of high school in, in 46, and I think there was some paperwork. But he, he did uh, – he fought in Korea and uh, uh, two tours in Vietnam. So, yeah. yeah. So, But he would get uh, all three wars. So, yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, our World War II veterans were losing you every don't, day. You don't get a chance to interview them uh, much anymore. Yeah. And that's and, – and I'm a big – 
fan of history. Yes. And, and definitely. And, and one other shout out that I'll give in terms of great people. Um, and yes, I did very much like meeting your father and I did very much enjoy his stories. I always thought that uh, Kevin Jarvis did a really nice oh, job. Um, tremendous. We had a nice partnership. Kevin Jarvis will put together like about 20 pages because he likes history too. I oh can tell. my God. Yeah. And yeah. he'll put about 20 pages together and he would send it to me. And I would sort of get it down to about 800 words, and he would love it. Like we, we it was really good. He had the one um, with, um, is it, is it, it was, was it, I think it was Albert Spatafora. Oh, sure. He had the story about Albert Spatafora yeah, yeah. and his, when they had Spatafora Square um, dedicated. Yes. And there was a great story involved with that. And he actually facilitated me meeting one of, the other veterans from World War II who is good friends with him, who came all the way out to see the square dedication. Right. Um, and we actually, I interviewed him upstairs during the MATV open house. Uh, but yeah, no, I could, I could go on for like a long list of the great people. I oh, met Kevin's wonderful. City. Yeah. He's, he's terrific. Uh, the, is it the Shared Veterans interest. Affairs or the Director of Veterans? He's, here in he's, I think he's the Veterans, I think he's a Veterans Service Agent. That's the way I would put it. Okay. But we had a shared interest yeah. in history. Absolutely. Yes. So that was, and, and I liked covering, um, Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Well, this town does an unbelievable job and always has um, with those parades. They go all out. Yeah. So that's always nice. And not every not every city and town does that, be it budgetary or for whatever reason. But Malden has been fantastic to its veterans. My dad, just those days were like Christmas to him. So yeah. quite grateful for all that yeah. and grateful for the work you did. But yes. as things happen, time passes on. And we make changes, Nathan. True. Right? Absolutely. And uh, so you moved on from the Malden Observer and um, joined uh, as the – what is your title? Because I, okay. I condensed it, I, I will give you the official version, and I'll tell you what it is. Okay. I am the Director of Outreach and Community Relations at Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. When people ask me, I usually just say Communications Director – because when I was a newspaper guy, I would be writing this lead for a story, and I would introduce a character, and his title would be like 10 words long. And I was like, oh, please don't do that to me. So if someone wants to say communications director, I'm like – because that's basically what I do. My, my main things are um, publicity, yep. um, helping them with marketing materials, um, you know, um, marketing, and also we have a couple events that we do every year. Uh, so those are the main areas of what I'm involved with. And it's it's an exciting um, position. I have a really good team of people who works with me. Sure. Um, so it's really, it's really fantastic. And we actually have a couple of pretty cool programs that serve Malden. So that's, it's, it's, um, that's kind of cool, which we can talk a little bit about. Yeah, so. absolutely. And before we jump into that, I, the other thing that caught my eye, because, you know, I done some hosting down here for a little bit. You do a television show for them, which I thought was fantastic, as far yeah. as your media relations, called Aging Well TV Show. Absolutely. Was that always there, or could you tell me the origins of that? So Aging Well was something that um, the assistant director used to do. Okay. And basically, she has a lot of things that she does. She's a uh, very talented, hardworking person, and insane amount of stuff. And I just was basically like... I had a vision for what I could do with the TV show because basically we were going to write stories about what we're doing at the agency, new things that we're offering, programs that people haven't heard of. Like, and this is useful too for people in Malden. Like elder service agencies, a lot of times people don't really know the whole scoop. It's kind of like the library. If yeah. you've never gone to the library, you <laughs> think you know what's in the library, but you really don't because there's a lot more in the library than just books. And elder service agencies, the main idea with them is that they offer things, uh, supports and services that help people remain independent in their home. Like most people, if given the choice, would prefer to age in place. They want to stay in their home as long mm, as possible. Sure. Elder service agencies provide programs that help with that. Our best known program is Meals on Wheels. Sure. But we also have programs like home care where people will come in and do a little bit of housekeeping. Do some things around your house so that you can stay in your home. Absolutely. And, um, and another one is adult protective services, where if there's elder abuse or neglect, uh, they will try to resolve those issues. 
We also have caregiver support programs. So wide range of stuff. And basically a lot of times people don't know all these things are out there. Like here's a good one. Um, Medicare, like here's here's one. Medicare open enrollment. There's Medicare open enrollment every year. And if you're sure. on Medicare, you have to – things change every year with Medicare. We have a program called Shine where we have these volunteer counselors that will basically sit down with you. And they're experts on Medicare coverage. And they will sit down with you and they will actually figure out if the plan you had last year is the best one for you this year. And if you're if you're on Medicare and you're relying on that – and it's going to change from year to year, and your plan might cost more or something. It's a really valuable service. I'm not sure everyone's aware that they have it, but that's also something you can get through your local senior center or through Mystic Valley, because Mystic Valley is very similar to Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. Sure. Well, there's there's a the origins of connection there, right? With the why don't you there absolutely with the is. director who actually founded Mystic Valley, correct? It's um absolutely yes. Uh, well, John O'Neill, he's a Malden guy. Yep. He was a longtime director of uh, Somerville Cambridge. He actually was the first acting director of Mystic Valley, um, and basically he was involved with the initial formation of it. Um, and he was there for a little while. He was actually going to go back to school to be an attorney, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. See, I write everything down because I don't trust myself to remember anything. <laughs> he was basically like in his 20s. He was like the acting director of this new elder services agency. There was this new movement afoot right. to help people stay in their homes. This was a new aging in place sort of thing in the late 70s. Right. It's like we're going to help people. It was revolutionary st- at the time. Right? And it's a pretty awesome idea, yeah. actually. It really is. Because yeah. um, if you look at the alternatives of having to go into a nursing facility, um, I know. it's not. It's generally not what people want, and it's a lot more expensive. Right. So it's it was a great thing. He was young, though, and he's like, do I really want to get pigeonholed into elder services for the rest of my life? So he went to law school, got out of law school, and was basically offered the job at our agency and ended up taking it and staying there for 38 years. So it was kind of funny. He was like, I'll try that path not taken. No, nope, actually, I think I'll stay in, in elder services. And he was an awesome advocate for a very long time. Um on elder issues. He was very, he had a great quote for me in that story when he went away, where he said, the thing that separates, he said, in my mind, the way that I judge it is if the state came in and took all the money that they give us and they gave it to some other agency, would anyone notice the difference? Yes, I saw that. And he said, that in my mind is what separates you. Are you really a partner in the community or are you just another business? And and he he was legit. That was really how he uh, looked at things. So it was. So you got to work with him the last couple. Your his last couple of years. The last couple of yeah. years, I definitely got to work with him. Yeah. He was very and 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 the things that he said in that story was very much his mode of operating. He yeah. was a lot of times in the nonprofit world. I get the sense that a lot of things are driven by funding sources. He really was driven by needs in the community. Like, like we started a memory cafe. Fill in the gap kind of guy, right? Fill in the gaps. Yeah. Memory cafes. We basically hosted a um, – it was a conference on, on um, dementia, and one of the speakers was talking about memory cafes. And basically after hearing about it, he was like, we should start a memory cafe. And it wasn't because we got a grant or it wasn't because of anything else. It was because memory cafes are this nice um, social event for people with forgetfulness and their caregivers where they can just go and have a good time and be sociable in a, in a safe environment. And he was like, we don't have anything exactly like this. We're not involved with anything like this. We should do something like this. Right. That was kind of his mindset. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting to work with him. Um, Actually, I was going to, I was going to, why don't we just follow up with these memory cafes? Can you explain to the, to people actually now? Absolutely. The one, is it Connections? Is that the one that's... Cambridge Connections. Cambridge Connections, affiliated with... And then it is. Yeah. We actually host it in partnership with the Cambridge um, Council on Aging. It's okay. at the Cambridge Citywide Senior Center right across from City Hall. Um, and basically, the name is kind of a misnomer because memory cafes are open to anyone. Oh, okay. They are open to anyone. If you are in Malden and you hear this and you think you might want to go to a memory cafe, yep. you can go and it's free. And and they don't they don't ask about your diagnosis. They don't say, "Hello, what are you dealing with?" It's it's not like that. It's it's like you you come in and they're like, "Okay, we're doing some painting today or whatever," and they get you set up with it. It's not a drop off service. Gotcha. It's something yeah. where you go yeah. with the person and you you do something together. And it's 
It's usually inclusive activities that are fun that everyone can participate in. It's like an hour and a half once a month. I it's I think it's the third Friday of each month. It's on our website. Right. Yeah. But it's once a month and basically it's free and there's a whole network of memory cafes so that you can actually probably go to a memory cafe in the relatively close area, probably like once a week maybe. I was surprised to to know the, how many of them that they were. It's yeah. a coming thing. Yeah. It's, it's a coming thing. Yeah. It, it started about 25, 30 years ago in Holland. And there's actually this amazing woman who came to our conference. I think her name is Beth Schultzberger, I think. But it's she's from like the Jewish Families Organization, I think. And they maintain a database of the memory cafes in the area. Oh, I got you. It's like oh, a one-stop okay. shop where you can go and find – all of them. And she came in and really explained it because she's a real advocate for this. And it's part of this whole broader movement of dementia-friendly communities where they're trying to make um, communities a little more uh, dementia-friendly. And there's some really interesting – there's stuff that I never would have thought of. There's ones where there's like restaurants that will have tables that are sort of more or less disturbance-free where like – I wish I remember. I didn't think those existed. <laughs> I didn't think it did either. And actually, I asked because she dropped she dropped the name for it. I don't remember what the name for it was, but I was like, okay, what is that? And it basically was like, in some circumstances, you would you could you could say like they would they would have something where you would know that they're a dementia friendly restaurant, and basically they they're not going to put you next to the door where someone's coming out every two minutes. They're right. going to put you in a place where it's a little little quieter and a little less activity going on. That's um, fantastic. I think it's just a wonderful, innovative program. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 interesting, and it's definitely it's it's part of a bigger, it's part of a bigger trend of trying to uh, offer more services for people dealing with dementia. Definitely awesome. Um, so, and you can learn all this stuff at, uh, on your website, right? And check out org. and your your show aging well. Is that once a month, and is that generally you, in, with topics within your organization uh, programs? Uh, generally, but yeah. it's not always. We did one on the we did one on the memory cafe not too long ago. Yes. actually, we also did one on this great program called Music and Memory, mm-hmm. which is basically you make playlists. Actually, if you've never heard of it, we had a WBUR interview about it, but. Basically, they make personalized playlists for people with dementia, and a lot of times it can sort of improve their quality of life and help them reconnect with memories. Ah. I never knew about this until we had it, but like, so we had an episode about music and memory. We actually, um, some WBUR reporters came down and we visited a music and memory client, but it's really cool. They they get an iPod, they get a little iPod. And they get a personalized playlist and we teach the people how to do it. They can do it right in their home. That's another thing about other service agencies I forgot. Most of what we offer is home-based. Like people all call us all the time and they're like, hey, can we come down and do a presentation for our people? And I was like, the only people we have here are case managers and social workers because most of what we do is in people's homes. Right. It's very home-based. Right. People outreach to the homes. People confuse yeah. us with the senior center. The senior center is about hosting stuff right. in that venue. We're more about in-home services. Um but yeah, definitely that was another. So that was another cool program that we featured. Um, the last one we did was on opioids, and we had a thing about opioids and older adults. And we actually had somebody, um, oh, wow, from a regional program. It was it was definitely interesting. It was somebody from a regional program. It was a grant funded project. I think it was called Power. I do not know what that stands for off the top of my head. Sure. But basically, she had a lot of good information about uh, unique risks for older adults with opioids. And just sort of like warning signs. That was what we tried to do with each show is that we would sort of sit down. And yes, we'd want to talk about what we do in the agency. But we wanted there to be some value for the viewer as well. Sure. So that they could learn something, um, something useful. So we would talk about like warning signs or um, what was the other ones? I think there was some stuff about how to be more opioid savvy. Um, just sort of some this statistics. Olders, meaning the elderly population mm-hmm. that deals with and maybe dealing with pain management and there's, those type of... There's some of that. And yeah. then I think there's also the fact that opioids are fairly addictive. Right. And they get, a, they sure. get prescribed a lot. The numbers of um, older adults who would get prescribed and have issues with it were surprisingly high. And they, they, they yeah. said that there was a misconception that it's a younger person's problem. That's interesting, yeah. But actually... 
among older adults. And then there's also the thing of like you could get your prescriptions stolen, things of that nature. So it was there was a lot of different um, moving parts with it. And yeah, boy, I that was your last one. I gotta go back and that check that. I didn't see one. that when I went. I, I haven't. It hasn't gone yet because oh, we filmed okay. it, but they haven't sent me the video to post. I think uh, the last one we did. Oh boy, I don't even. You would probably know better than me if. Well, you... I, I don't know if it was a Porsche. Generally, they thirty minutes long, or they could be anything. I know what it was. Because was it the community community living options program or no? No, actually, oh. actually, well, we're gonna bring it full circle on this. Yes, it's a program. Bring called, it home. It's it's a program called Savvy Caregiver. Okay. And Savvy Caregiver, because I remember this was a good show. We had um, someone from Pain Elder Services over in Cambridge, which is has a similar mission to us. And basically, Savvy Caregiver is like a six-week program for family caregivers who are um, helping family members with dementia. Because basically, the idea is when you're a family caregiver, you're kind of more often than not, you're sort of thrown into this new challenging situation with nothing in your previous experience that can really – has prepared you for it. Sure. So basically, what this the, this program does is they have some lecture. They have some theory. Um, but the real meat of it is, is that people sort of talk about some of the challenges they're facing. They come up with strategies for how to manage things and, and have everyone be successful and, and feel good about the outcomes. Because basically a lot of times um, if you're not fully aware of what's going on, if, you, it's, if you're not really – if you're not savvy on it yet, it can be a little frustrating for both you and the other person – if you if you know what's going on and you have some professional guidance, some really good training, it's a developed curriculum, um, you can be more in a position to succeed. And I had the two instructors from that, and they had the first class in October, and they're starting it up again in March. And um, I met the first class. I went and took a group photo of them, and I got the sense that it was a really good experience for them. It was really interactive. Yes. That there was a lot – there was homework. There was like – you talk about the issues that you were dealing with at home, yep. and they would sort of have a talk. They say, "Why don't you try this?" And then, then, then they come in the next week, and they would sort of talk about how, did that work or not. So, if it sounds like we've had a lot of programs in the last year um, focusing on dementia, that is correct. Sure, <laughs> but um, that was my last show before that, and that was a really that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Um, of the show, but of course, there's been a learning curve for me. It's kind of helped me learn about the agency. Yeah, well, by, I'm sure by getting folks to uh, come in. And I think I don't know if Savvy Caregiver is open to everyone in the general public, but I know that it is free. And if you're curious about it, you might be worth your while to look it up because I think really it's not so much geography. They're looking for people who are the right fit for it, who they really think can benefit from it. But a lot of our programs are free. All right. Well, what about the, 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 we mentioned briefly community living options program, which is Absolutely. tell us about that. All right. So community living options is kind of an interesting program. Uh, basically, um, it's run by somebody who has a master's in social work, and I'm going to say this word again, but she's actually a dementia specialist certified too. Okay. And the tagline that we use for the program is we call it "Everything You Need for Aging Well," and Basically, what it is, is that you have someone who's really savvy about elder services and needs assessments, and they basically act as your um, concierge for making sure that what you need to live in your situation of choice is happening. I'll give you an example, because it's better to explain with examples than in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently had a discussion about assisted living facilities, and she had a client who's in an assisted living facility and assisted living facilities can be really great if you're looking to downsize um you know and there's certain things that they'll do for you but there's also certain things that are are, are either going to be on you or your family or some caregiver to help with sure like like medical appointments um when you're moving in a lot of times that's going to be on you and what community living options does is we have people who will have family out of state and they want to help a family member relocate into assisted living, uh, we can help with that process. Like, basically, the soup to nuts parts of it. Like, sure. we can arrange everything with, like, the moving truck, the furniture. It's it's an interesting sort of project. And it is it's it is a private pay program. This is not one of our free programs. I got you. Yep. This is one where – but for somebody – and then there was another instance, an even more uh, dramatic one was 
We um, actually it was the same person, but he had some health complications that came up when he was in assisted living. And this was not a circumstance where you need like a friend or a family member to help you deal with everything because he had to go to a lot of appointments. He needed somebody to check in on him each week to make sure everything was okay. Right. He didn't have any family in the area. So our social worker with that program would come in and check with them. And when she was helping him through rehab, um, she was talking to them and they basically had said that um, if he hadn't have had that regular help throughout that process of, of someone making sure it all got done, they probably would have required a higher level of care for him. He probably would have had to go into a nursing home. Wow. So it, it can make a really big difference. Another instance where we'll help is with care management. And basically what this is, and, and like one last thing on assisted livings, we can also help people evaluate it. Because a lot of times when you're doing an assisted living, a lot of times what will happen is you'll have some sort of instance and you'll be like, the family will kind of be like, wow, we need to reconsider the living situation. And you're kind of in this crisis mode and you're looking at different assisted living facilities and you've never evaluated them before. And it can be a little overwhelming. Our social worker is somebody who's experienced at that, sure. who knows how to evaluate it and knows to ask, what questions to ask. Uh, she can also help families reach consensus on care decisions, which is a whole other issue that can be really nettlesome. So it can be good to have a neutral party in there to try to help people uh, reach consensus. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, the care management, and actually this goes with that. Uh, basically, if you have somebody who lives, say, in South Carolina or whatever, uh, they have a family member who lives alone. They want to make sure that their their needs are being met sure. to live at home. Um, one of our, our social worker can also take care of going in there, assessing what they need to live, you know, maintain health and well-being at home, and then set up the services because we deal with vendors who can provide those in-home services, can modify the home. So, so basically anything you need for aging well, like in where you want to live – they can help with those things. And it's it's really helpful because if I've learned one thing in elder services the last couple of years, aging can be pretty complicated. Yes. And, you know, it, <laughs> it can be overwhelming for families, um, not only the, the individuals themselves, um, but, um, you know, a lot of us maybe have experienced some of that with our aging parents or whatnot or relatives. But uh, um, these resources are just so, you know, invaluable. To the, to the families and the people that um, – and the important thing – because sometimes a lot of people don't know they're out there. True. And this is your – this is where you come in, right? This is right where I'm at. So um, what you're doing is a vital part to this, uh, this you know, this whole big picture of uh, getting the resources, um, you know, getting the information out there for the family members. And especially when you're dealing with people from out of state, it's mm. even more overwhelming that aren't familiar with – uh, everything that's going on or, so far away. Or even knowing what to consider. Correct. When, when I was talking with them about, like I'll give you one other kind of example of it. Um, they're saying like when you go and tour assisted living facilities, you see a really nice place that they can live and there's an activity room. But sometimes if you've never done it before, they help someone relocate into it. Because of his circumstances, he I couldn't actually use the activity room because he didn't have a wheelchair that worked well enough for him to get from point A to point B. Right. So they had to go in and help him fix that. There's these little things that you might not necessarily think of because it's kind of a unique experience. Sure. So they can they can help out with that. But yes, we do have a really wide range of programs, and we do try to get it out. We also have this one other program I'll tell you about yep. is the Aging Information Center. Now, this is just for Somerville and Cambridge, but I know Mystic Valley has a similar um, program. But basically, the way that and, – and they're a little different, but it's the same – premise is basically they have a line that you can call up. You talk to people who are experts about resources. Um, the ones at our agency will actually, they can screen you for eligibility and get you started on getting into these things. Um, and here's a great thing. They don't have anything that can help you. They know a lot about resources in the area. They can actually refer you externally to. Okay. So, so it's, and, and, and that's free. That doesn't cost you anything. And that's actually – we really encourage people to call up if they have questions about aging or aging-related matters because we can't always offer something that's going to be a great fit for somebody, but we can at least give them a sense of what's out there. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, so and Mystic Valley has something comparable to that as well. They Mystic do. Valley they do. I'm not sure if they actually do the intakes right. through there the way ours do, as I think that they're each a little different. Yeah. But they do have. It's my understanding they do have an information center where you can call up and learn about the programs mm-hmm. that are at the agency, and that's such a crucial thing. Right. Because basically, I realized fairly early we have something like 55 programs. Instead of trying to explain all of them, a lot of times what I'll just ask people to do is call if they have questions. And that's really what they're there for is is to – that's what these people do, and they're great. I would do presentations about the agency with someone from our Aging Information Center, and we would go in and talk for about 20 minutes about – we talked for 15 minutes about the agency. And then the next half hour – would be people during the Q&A for my person from the Aging Information Center because they would have all these questions and she's just like an expert on them. Like we'd go right through them and she could give you the answer on all of them because that's basically what she yeah. does oh. all week. So it's it Tremendous. was – yeah, I would never go to one of those without expert backup because you, you start asking me about – A lot about, of follow-up questions with those things. You start asking me about your Medicare coverage. I I, right. I know there's A, B, C, and D, but I don't really know a whole lot yeah. uh, deeper and than again, that. Again, it, it can be so complex and, and it overwhelming. Is. It is. Um, well, well, wow, look, we're 40 <laughs> minutes into the program. But one, one other um, program I did want to mention, you and I talked to briefly before the start of the show, was the – which I thought was, uh, when I visited the website, um, so interesting, was the Adult Family Care, Absolutely. which I believe is, is something that's funded by MassHealth, if you could uh, it absolutely delve into that is. a little bit. It absolutely is. And this is one of my favorite programs in the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is called Adult Family Care. Part of why we do that is because it off- we offer it in a really wide service area. Like basically most of Middlesex County and a good chunk of Essex County we cover. So Malden is definitely covered by it and into Boston. But basically what this program does, uh, the tagline that I use for it is that it helps ca- uh, caregivers succeed. And basically, if you have a person who is mass health eligible and they can't live by themselves because they have a medical diagnosis, they have things that they need help with daily, um, this program, if you if you uh, get enrolled in it, they can actually and they can actually arrange compensation for a live-in caregiver. Like basically if you have – usually it's a family member. And if they, if they live with you and take care of your daily needs, they can provide compensation. You get ongoing training and support from a nurse and a social worker. You also get two weeks paid respite every year. Um, so it's actually a really good opportunity and it sort of fits with our mission as an agency where – a lot of times the alternative to this program would be that you would need to go into a nursing home because you cannot live alone. But this program really helps um, the family caregivers be able to provide that care at home. And it's interesting. I have a personal connection with this. Um, my grandfather on my father's side is actually doing the family caregiver situation oh, with wow. one of my aunts. where, And basically it's one of those things where she's taken off of work and she's been living with them. And it, it's the exact same thing. And in their circumstance, uh, they, they've done pretty well. So they, they, they um, are able to get by without this program. They're very fortunate. Yes. But a lot of times caregiving is like a full-time job. And it's no question about it. very difficult yeah. to actually make everything meet. So in the support that we're able to provide is really uh, a crucial aspect of it. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of it. Awesome. And uh, I encourage people when you go to the website and then there's a link for adult family care, which brings you to their own website and there's testimonials. And like I told you, there's wonderful stories. And you said it doesn't have to be a family member. It's just right. Interesting point. And actually, there's a couple of caveats there because it's interesting. It does not have to be a family member. Roughly 80 percent of the people in our program are family members. Uh, But we do sometimes match people. Uh, we have qualified caregivers who are basically people who've done the program before, and they can uh, bring somebody into their home to do the caregiving. And there's, you know, there's there's a whole security screening process for that. We have to make sure that they're a match in terms of being able to get along because we want it to be a happy situation. I did a story recently of a match that I think just marked 20 years. So wow. it actually, That's fantastic. The director of the program, I think, was a case manager back when they were matched. Because uh, when I did the story, I was talking to her about it. And, and you were mentioning one of our other case studies, right? Um, which was a woman who had been a caregiver for her family 
after her husband died, she had a family connection where she 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 knew a social worker who was looking for a home for someone who needed a caregiver. She arranged it. Now she's taking care of three women at her home, and it's like a very family like environment because basically, uh, sort of opened up a whole new chapter of her life where she's got these. It's it's like a new family for her, which was a great. Uh, success story and one other that I really liked we have and we have clients over in Everett we actually have a couple that we've interviewed there was a woman in Everett who was one of our clients I think she was 104 years old and she had never spent the night in a hospital wow that's incredible and it really is and and through this program she's able to stay at home she's able to get the the care that she needs at home. And uh, that kind of blew me away when her daughter uh, told me about that. One one drawback with this program that we'd like to see changed, but it still hasn't happened, mm-hmm. is that you cannot participate in it for a spouse. And it's kind of unfortunate. Um, I mean, you know, it's our program, so clearly we have some strong feelings about it. But um, you could take care of your parent with it. And it's understood that if you're taking care of your parent, that's a large commitment. It could be like a full-time job. Sure. But for some reason, if you're a spouse and you're providing that care for your spouse, they can enroll you in the program. It's just the way it is under the law. We've actually advocated. We go to Beacon Hill every year, and we ask the legislature to change it. Yeah. We had one time what's where the, – What's the reasoning you get behind that? That does sound a little – Oh, Do you get boy. any? Um, well, it's interesting. It got through the legislature like three years ago, and it just never got signed into law. Okay. Um, so I think the legislature has been pretty supportive of it. We had a, an event for it last year, and I will say that Stephen Altrino was there. Okay. And yeah. Paul Donato was there. Sure. So, so in terms of our local delegates from Malden, they were supportive. And actually, Stephen's been really good about – he's on the Elder Services Committee – so he's been he's been really great about that, um, but in terms of getting it through and getting it signed into law, I think if I were to guess, just a guess, I'm just going to be Nathan Lamb, guy from Malden, guessing. <laughs> um, if you open it up to spouses, you are expanding the program, and even though the program is more cost effective than an assisted living facility, which is usually the alternative, or not assisted living, a nursing home. Sure. Pardon me, because big difference. Um, there's always this reticence to sort of put something forward where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're, we're increasing our exposure here on what? Even though they've done cost studies of it, because like basically if someone has to go to a nursing home and they go through all their assets and then they're on mass health and they stay there, it costs the state a lot more money to go that route. But for whatever reason, we have not been able to get a change so that a spouse could be a caregiver through this program. We're going to go – I think it's I think it's in February. Like we go – or no, not, not February. It's at the end of March. But we go every year and we, we try to advocate uh, for this. And yeah. we'll, be, we'll be there again this yeah. year. Yeah, so you never know. You may, might be making ground. Take some time. I hope so. Yeah, um, you, you never know. It's, um, it's interesting. I will say one thing too. Quick aside – I, I like most younger people, I guess. I didn't really know about Medicare and Medicaid until I went to go work at a human services agency. But, um, wow, those are a couple of important programs. Absolutely. And yeah. Medicaid is interesting because you can be younger and on Medicaid because basically it, it does help people who are economically disadvantaged. But the thing is, is that the way our system is set up, you can have people who worked your whole life did everything right and you can have some catastrophic medical circumstance that can make it so you can wind up on medicaid Absolutely. it's it is a, a, an absolute reality and when people uh talk about downsizing that program i have very strong opinions about it um and and medicare too i think medicare is something if you plan on getting older than 65 and want to have medical insurance yes medicare is a good thing yes um, so those are yeah. two programs that have come to have fairly strong opinions about having worked at an elder services agency sure i'm sure it it, it widened your perspective uh enormously. definitely um well that all sounds good but that that program is fantastic thank uh, you adult thank family you. care um now getting back to your writing days right oh, i see i did my homework Nathan. you did you did okay. yeah, i'm very impressed what's this uh the latest article from nathan lamb i believe was just from last week is that true six tips for diffusing family care 
Uh, excuse me, six tips for diffusing family disagreements about care. Absolutely. There's probably a lot of you out there um, know how easily uh, this can occur. Um, not that everybody doesn't want the best for their family member, but people have different and strong opinions about how Absolutely. to go about that. So I found uh, this quite interesting. If you wanted to talk a little bit about that. I, you know what, and that's been a great part of my job recently is that I do work with the um, social worker at Community Living Options, Carolyn Nagal Marcotte, and she is uh, really fantastic at uh, – she's like one of those people who's enthusiastic about what she does, and in this case, it's helping people. But basically, she walks – She's and, and she tells the story in there. She walked yes. into a situation where you had a mother who was very – independent, had an active life. That's what she wanted to do. She had like five kids that all had different opinions about what they should be doing. And basically the the story of that story, which you can find on our website, yep. um, is basically the process that she used to sort of get everyone into the room, start talking about things, and actually sort of work toward a plan. And it's funny because – she said that like a lot of times people will be very set on one scenario. Oh, it's going to be an assisted living facility. Uh, we got to do a nursing home. You got to do this. What what her role in that really is that she comes in and she starts talking about goals. If you ever been in a consensus based process, it's it's very similar to that. Sure. She's like, okay, what's important to you? Let's not talk about the outcome that you've identified that you want. What's important to you? Like what do you what do you want for this family member? Because usually what happens is there are more options out there than the family may have identified, and it's like so basically she's able to sort of look at all the pieces, and it really starts. And 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 one of the things I love about our agency, it starts with what the older adult wants, and actually that's the first piece of advice that she has is that you need to start with what the older adult wants. You really need to have that discussion. Sure. Um, and then if it's a situation where the older adult is able to tell you their wishes, that kind of can make things a lot easier because then it becomes a matter of how the family – Fulfill can, that – the wishes. In, in a way and, and hopefully in a way that's uh, – will ins- do the most to ensure health and well-being as possible. Yep. But it's um, – so that's really and, – and it's, and it's interesting too because there's always this balance of – you want the maximum safety for your loved one. They want to live their life. So that she helps people resolve those discussions, which can be very difficult. And 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 some of them are, are ones that you think would be, but um, you know, fairly clear. But one is that you you need to listen to everyone. Yeah, it, it needs to feel non adversarial. Like everyone needs to be heard, and you you sort of all have your say, and then you try to work out a plan that feels good. In this case, they were actually able to keep the mother in her home, which is what she wanted. They dialed back some of the activities she was doing because she was she, she had a very busy life going, yeah. and it was a little too much. Right. But also, it's funny. A lot of times, older adults will not be interested in getting in home services. This I, I I don't know if that will surprise you or not, but um, she didn't think she needed any help, and she didn't want it. And by the way, that's not uncommon. And no. you know what? I'm no. probably going to feel that way. Yeah. No, my dad was very much like that. You know, very. It's not uncommon. And, yeah. and, and basically what she was able to do is she was able to look at some of the things around the house, sort of look at specific things, and be like, well, do you think maybe we could do this? And you sort of try to work up a little bit, a little trust and rapport. Yes. And it's like a little bit of like, well, you're having trouble keeping up with this. Would it be okay if we had someone come in, you know, once a week to do some work with this? And they did actually get the mother to accept some help. Because sometimes you have instances where somebody's not able to keep up right. with the house anymore. And it's not good. No. So that's, that's, those are the kind of circumstances where they can help uh, and be helpful. And we've had whole, I've had whole episodes of Aging Well where I've talked with the people in our agency about that very issue. And it, for, by all accounts, it can be hard because you have these concerns. You're concerned about your, your parents. You're concerned about their safety. You love them. You want the best for them. But they want to live their life. And yeah. ultimately, it's their decision. Right, 
Right. And it's the, so it's well, it can and be you difficult. could see and then she's she's in this mediating position in a oh, lot absolutely. of ways. Right. And um, you can see how, uh, you know, these issues are so emotional and it, it's not hard to, to think that it could get volatile and, and, and you know, things could explode. So to have someone in there that knows what she's doing or he or she or whoever it may be is just, um, you know, much needed asset. And she'd write it. She'd write everything down. And it's funny because she didn't even really give herself credit for that because she's a very methodical person. Yes. But one of the keys to how she was able to negotiate this circumstance is just because she would write everything down, and she was sort of able to put together a matrix eventually of what would work for everybody because she was able to sort of fill in those blanks. Right. Oh yeah. By having the discussions and writing things down. So, um, yeah, she's been really great to work with. We actually. Um, we did one other about um, dealing with in-home vendors. We haven't released that one yet, but basically that's about the challenge. Well, you got of, a couple shows in the can, right? Oh, I do okay. a little bit. We we've we done some. Well, it's funny because we were at a conference where we were talking about care resistance, which is something we're going to do someday. That's basically the one where someone could use some help, but they don't want it. And she started talking about this instance where she had somebody who was having all this trouble with the vendor, and she was able to resolve the situation. And I was like, let's do that one. Let's do that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. was basically she had a um, – it was they had an um, exterminator come, and they didn't completely fix the problem. And basically she had to resolve the issue with the exterminator so that they could take care of the issue in the house, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever had those circumstances. That can be kind of a hassle. Absolutely. So um, it's, it's interesting. She's got a lot of really uh, good talents and definitely a lot of good topics. But, yeah, it's definitely been interesting. And that whole thing of self-determination is a really big thing with our agency. Even Adult Protective Services, when they come in and they're looking at cases of abuse or neglect, now there's there's some changes afoot at the state level with what's going on here. But the policy has always been that they try to remove danger, but it's not like child protective services. When they, when they come in for elder protective services um, – it's really if there's an assumption if you're competent that you're an adult and you can make your own decisions. They can try to help alleviate potentially dangerous situations, but that whole idea of respecting the elders' wishes and having them chart their course—it's it's really a guiding thing for our agency, and I think that that's a good thing. I think that's how we would all want to be treated. Absolutely, yeah. I know. Do you ever think of that? And you project yourself, boy. When I'm at this age, what am gosh. I going to want? What am I? Is that? Oh my gosh. You ever do any of that? I think the closest I've come to doing that is that I assume that basically I'm going to write until like the day I die. I'm like I'm never going to retire. I'm going to be a writer like my whole life. Right. Um, for the other stuff, wow, it's it's definitely been an eye opening experience. And then they have the stuff about how expensive it is to get older, and it's right. like wow. They have the stuff that came out recently where they were saying that like the assumption was you needed one million dollars of savings to retire. I was like, I was like, who has that? Right. But um, so actually, that makes what we do really important. It really does. It <laughs> so. really does. Um, and look at this. Our hour is almost done. Wow, Nathan. And huh? we, didn't, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the Patriots. I wanted to talk about the Patriots. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Butler, but we're down to our last minute or two. Listen, Nathan. Um, it's been a great pleasure having you on. I admire. Uh, the work that you do and uh, the enthusiasm you bring to uh, advocating, uh, you know, for this population, the elderly, which are, uh, you know, some of our most precious commodities in society. Um, so, again, it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. You're doing a great job. And uh, I hope you come back sometime and visit us. Absolutely. It's been great wrapping with you. Uh, anything else? Just to lead them to the the website or uh, so it's eldercare.org. If yes. you're interested in adult family care, um, that would be it's adultfamilycare.org. And if you're interested in community living options, that's under the geriatric care management tab on eldercare.org. Or if you just call the Aging Information Center, they can connect you there. They can actually connect you to any of those programs through the Aging Information Center. Okay, and when's it, when's the next? Uh broadcasting of aging well is that uh, uh, scheduled or tbd it's tbd we it's probably going to be sometime in march but uh i'm that's uh basically as soon as i'm done with one show i start setting up the next one so it's like yeah it's like sisyphus with that rock going up the hill you know it's as soon as it's but it's it's fun it's been a lot of fun i've learned a lot 
Fantastic. Um, okay. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Um, good to see you. I'm I, sure I'll see you around town. I think Malcolm Butler definitely should have played. Malcolm Butler should have played, but that's for another show. Folks, thank you for inviting uh, me into your living rooms this evening. Um, I'll be back next month. Let me leave you with this quote from Andy Rooney. The best classroom in the world is at the feet of an elderly person. You should try it sometime. See you next month, Malvin. Thank you. That was fine. That was good.